What is up, y'all? It is your girl, Scardi B, and you are here with Sugar. We're going in, y'all. And I mean, I'm sure you just read the title, but I really have to give y'all just context on who we have on today. I'm so, so excited. I feel like the luckiest Fall Out Boy fan ever because if you know you know that this man is part of deep Fallout Boy lore. I mean, you can't hear Alpha Dog or Lake Effect Kid without screaming, get familiar. It is the one and only Clinton Sparks. I'm literally in awe. Like 2008 me is is kicking and screaming. <laughs> 2023 me is kicking and screaming because I get to talk to you. Hi, Clinton. Welcome. Hi, thank you for having me. I wish... The 2008 you was was more vocal because I got a lot of people mad that Get Familiar was over a lot of those songs because no I'll tell no you. no because that's the thing about art right you're gonna you're gonna kick and scream about it but like once you really grow up and digest and understand with context that's when you can begin to understand but tell me why people were pissed because they were like you know they're not used to you know people that are into like rock and punk rock and all that vibe they're not used to a mixtape style of presenting music, which is what I was doing with that. So, you know, when you're in the mixtape scene, you're punching your name over songs, you got sound effects. The reason that was created in the first place was to prevent people from stealing the songs and then bootlegging them and uploading them so you just get a clean version of a song. So I can't remember, but they may, somebody in the camp may have said, make sure you poison the song a little bit so people can't just take it and start sounds so I don't I would have probably would have done it anyways but I think there might have been a couple songs they gave me that were exclusives that weren't out that they were like you know throw some sound effects over it so we know where they got it from and they're not just selling it Oh, 100%. And and we're going to talk a little bit about, like, the history of hip-hop and why mixtapes. Because I, a couple of episodes, covered um, the Kanye West, Fall Out Boy mashups, mixes, and remixes. Had, like, Conway on there doing, like, original verses with, like, Kanye and all them. But that was in 2008, too. So that's yeah. summer. But before then, you know, talk to me a little bit about your background, right? So So let's bring people up to speed. So before CFOB, Clinton, you are a DJ, a producer originally from Boston. Go East Coast. You know the vibes. Yeah. You were a radio host and did, um, you know, a lot of working with artists one-on-one. -on -one. Can you talk to me about, like, writing and producing for people, what that come up was like and how hip-hop, you know, because that's what we're celebrating, right? A, happy birthday, hip-hop. But yeah. B, like, how hip-hop just really, um, uh, you know, was able to throttle this into your career and into what you do. Well, that was a loaded question that would require a lot of answers and a lot of time. So I was a lonely, broke, you know, loser kid from Boston, had no friends. Dad left when I was young, alcoholic. My mother worked multiple jobs. I was bullied a lot. I was a lonely kid. So like the radio and hip hop became my best friend. In fact, I got a song called Radio. It's the first song of me singing on it that I put out in, in many years. By the way, a lot of people don't even know that all my songs with, that are out with me is me singing on it. Right? That's so amazing. Like, if you the go art. To, Come on. If you go to Spotify and look me up and look up like my Iconoclast project that was put out through Republic Records, that's all me singing on there. And then I got features from Macklemore, 2 Chainz, Snoop Dogg, T-Pain, Ty Dolla Sign, all that. But people don't even know. Like To this day, people run into me and be like, yo, that song, who's that singing? I'm like, that's me. Me, and like, what? <laughs> right? So I've always just kind of been my own guy, walked my own kind of path, 
didn't really care to fit in. I learned really early that being original and being myself, I was really comfortable with that. I know it takes people a lot of times, you know, to get older, especially teenagers go through this, you know, tumultuous where they don't know who they are. And, you know, if they're getting picked on or bullied or they feel left out or they're insecure or they're introverts. I'm like, I'm like all those things in one, yet I get on stage in front of 20,000 people and get everybody jumping up and down, right? So it's like, I'm the most introverted extrovert you'll ever meet. And I think you're shaking your head because you might feel that way about yourself as well. Finding my lane and finding my voice meant literally finding my voice and right. letting it know that it can take up space right. and be heard. So, so I'm just extremely happy to hear that, you know, we persevere. We persevere through ourselves and we, we atone things like, you know, hip hop and music for saving our life. But, you know, Pete Wentz always says, like, you're, you're the car. We might be the gas, but, but you're the car and making sure that, you know, you're getting where you got to go and, and getting to your destination safely. So. I appreciate yeah. you sharing. I agree. Yeah. So, yeah. So I just would like use my mom's stereo and I would like hold phono down and press aux with my other finger. And like, <laughs> and that's how I would DJ because it would like, you'd get the sound on. It would do like what a crossfader would do. Um, so I would do that on my mom's stereo when I was a kid. And then I was a thief when I was young, not proud of it. And I used to rob houses and steal cars and stuff. So I stole my first set of turntables and then all the kids would come over to my house and I would practice DJing. And I wanted to be a rapper, which is really what I wanted to do at first. Then I was a dancer and I'd perform and I'd open up for everybody. I, was, I would even choreograph the cheerleaders at my high school. Wow. We would take over the rallies and I would do whole dance routines. And then Eminem came out and I was like, I, I guess I won't rap anymore. And then he's got it. Yeah, yeah <laughs> he he's filled got it. This, yeah, he filled the quarter for dope white rappers, right? So, so then I was like, I wanted to be the guy behind the scenes and make everybody else famous. Cause I knew that I had a skill at like understanding dope and marketing and knowing how to get the best out of people and knowing the direction of how to make them drive, right? I kept doing that, signed a bunch of artists. I'd press up their vinyl. I'd like get them in interviews, bring them on radio, get features from 50 Cent and Lloyd Banks. Like I do all these things for the rappers that I would sign, but everybody would always be like, think that they would know better than me or when I would tell them what we should do I think there was a lot of like ah he's just a white dude from around the way what does he know right so you know going back even further like I was always kind of like because of my upbringing in the neighborhoods I was raised in I was always like too white for the black kids and too black for the white kids this is what I care about this is what I'm feeling but it feels like I'm not supposed to do that like mm -hmm. so I went through that weird like who am I you know, I was basically, when, I, when we were growing up, it's obviously politically incorrect now to say, but when I was coming up, everyone called me a wannabe, right? And so, and all the white kids would want to fight me all the time and stuff. So, you know, and it's funny because all the white kids that wanted to fight me later on in life look, was like, dude, Clint was the coolest fucking guy. So, like, I never felt like, you know, one thing you get asked when you're a kid is like, what do you want to be when you grow up? Mm -hmm. And I used to think, like, why do I only have to pick one thing? Like, why can't I be a bunch of things? And that's kind of who I've always been. And I love that the world has caught up because it used to be very segregated. You know, you know, from your background, like, you know, white kids are at that lunch table. Black kids mm -hmm. are at that kid. The Asian kids are over there. The, you know, ESL kids are over there. Like, you just, everyone sat at different tables. I was the kid that, like, sat at every table and figuratively put all the tables together because mm -hmm. I would go and tell everybody, oh, he plays Dungeons and Dragons too, or like, yo, he likes that Metallica one record. Or like, dude, you should, he fucking is sick at baseball. Like, I would introduce people's people 
to, to others that they never took the time to see who they were because they just looked at how they dressed and how they looked. So I was the guy that just always just cared and loved everybody, which got me to a point where why I work with everybody from Fall Out Boy to Eminem to Kanye to Macklemore to Snoop to, and across the board, right? It's because I relate and can connect to everybody and nothing's foreign to me. And that goes back even further from how I was raised with my mom. My mom always had, you know, all, a lot of her friends are like black and lesbians and gay dudes that would like hang at our house. So like that was just a normal part of my life. That's what I grew up looking at as normal, which it is yeah. normal. But like, so I didn't have to grow up and wonder why different cultures or different people did different things. Like, so I always, from a very young age, considered and cared and thought about everybody. Because yeah. to me, that's what everybody's the same. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so. I, hear, I hear a lot of emotional intelligence. Like, we're going to talk a little bit about your book in, in a little bit, you know, how to win big in the music business. But some of the things that people ask me is like, Scarlett, how can I start? And I'm like, read a book on emotional intelligence. Find your through line, right? Like, find the commonalities between people and, and connect them. And music does that. Art does that. I think different types of art invoke different things in us. And even through well, like there's, traumas, there's, right? Like, hey, I got my first turntable from, you know, something that I had to do. But in the 70s, the, the conspiracy theory, and I really don't think it's a conspiracy, is that when it was the big blackout in New York City, like, that's how a lot of DJs got started because that's how <laughs> they got yeah. equipment that they couldn't afford because of socialism, racism, whatever. Yeah. So so it just it's just very interesting how art just kind of like, again, narrows well, to, us out your, and puts us in our box. To your point, there's an art um, in caring. There's an art mm. in listening, right? You know, you can't get mad when people don't listen when you talk. You must learn to talk when people are listening, right? And you have to know, like, where they're listening, how they're listening, why they're listening. But in order for you to be able to do that, you have to genuinely give a shit, right? So, like, if you don't give a shit and anything's just transactional or it's for self-advancement or it's, like, whatever, some hidden agenda, it's always going to get revealed. You're always going to be exposed and it's never going to work. You're only hearing. Like, you're full of shit. You know what I mean? Like... Anybody that's a genuine, real person that's doing anything of significance, it's very easy to look for their receipts, right? And see, like, is this what you've always thought? Is this how you've always been? Authenticity has to be your reputation. Yeah, yeah. People have to know you for that in order to build rapport anywhere in anything that you do. The best credit you can ever build is credibility, Mm. right? So... If you're out here trying to like build credit, then it starts with your reputation, and your reputation is the is your greeting card to everything you do. If you if people know how great you are before they even meet you, one it opens up door for people to want to meet you, and then two it opens up opportunities that you didn't even know were going to open up. So when you think, oh man, I lost some money, I should have just did this shady shit. Nah, man, trust me. Like somebody's going to tell somebody who's going to tell somebody that you were a good person for doing that. And that's going to get you a lot further than whatever that money could have been at that moment. So even coming up in hip hop, like a couple of things, I could have bragged about being a criminal. I probably would have got stripes, but I never did because I thought it was whack and I wasn't proud of it. And I didn't do it to show off. I did it to survive. Right. And then once I started moving past that, I was ashamed of it. Right. So like one, that's there's a lot of things I could have done different that would have made me richer, more popular. But I really genuinely did most of the stuff, which I'm sure you know some, but you definitely don't know. Most people don't know all I've done behind the scenes because I did it for the good of culture. 
I did it for the good of people, business, and those that I was doing it for. I wasn't like, yo, Puff, make sure you, you shout me out and do this, or yo, DJ Khaled, make sure everybody knows that I did this for you. Or like, it, was, it was just, I just did it. You know what I mean? Because yeah. at the end of the day, if I'm dope and I'm helping to make other people dope, them becoming dope doesn't make me less dope, right? And, and also, for those that know, in fact, it makes me more dope because those that are really dope will see how dope you are and know how dope it is that you didn't seek them putting light on your dopeness. So like, I know we're talking a lot of dope here, but like that, <laughs> that concept works in everything. Every single business, walk of life, genre, person, if you just apply being a good person and doing hard work. Now, every time I talk, I always know there's 14 other people in the audience that can be like, what about this? What about that? What about that? And it's, it's difficult understanding everybody. So when I say the reason I'm able to like excel throughout my career is because I get everybody, right? I also understand when I talk the opposing views or the misunderstandings of what I'm saying at the same time. So it's really difficult to address everything at one time. Right. It's like if I'm in an argument with somebody or a debate, I already know where we're going to be five steps from now. I have to wait for you to catch up. Right. So like that's like the frustration with me is like I can move so much faster to get into a resolution and not my resolution. It's not my way that's going to make things work. It's the right way that I just learned how to master by giving a shit. It all starts with giving a shit, man. How, how we communicate, who we, whose tracks we get on and, and how we do what we do. So I just love it. I mean, some, some of the people that you worked with, for the people who are listening, Akon, Ludacris, 2 Chains, Ty Dolla Sign, Lil Uzi Vert from Philly, grr, you know the vibes, Big Sean. What has been, how, how do you show up as your best self to these sessions, to meeting and working with these artists? Um, the only way that you'll be able to stay that strong is if you build yourself by design. If it's by design, then you build the best version of you by design, then every time you show up, you're the best version of you because there's no better version of you because you built the dopest you you could build. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've sat with people and like spent more time trying to convince them to do the right thing for themselves, right, than they spend on actually doing for themselves, right? So that's how I show up as my best me I think my biggest power is that I'm a fan. Um, I think knowing both sides of the coin is incredibly powerful to being a consumer. You have to be a consumer in the industry you want to work in because you need to know what works and what doesn't. So I think about that often. I think about the success of, the, of those people, and it is because we we eat and, and breathe and we walk the walk and, and we talk the talk uh, in real time. So that that's just incredibly exciting. And well, I love I really your love, consumer. Yeah. I love your theory of you got to be a consumer. I have a saying that says, if you want to be, if you want to be great at the top, you must first learn how to be great at the bottom. You don't just get Absolutely. handed great when you get to the top. You get to the top because you were great. Absolutely. I couldn't have said it better myself. And sometimes I, I wanted to talk a little bit about risk. Sometimes being great means taking risks and being authentic with those risks. We started off this conversation talking about like, wow, you're one of the few people <laughs> that are super I feel like somebody watching right now is like, this has nothing to do with Fallout Boy. This is just like the mixtape. Shut up, Clinton, and do some t- Fallout Boy talk. 
It has everything to do with it because if if we're talking history, we're talking history of the people and why it happened. So maybe back then y'all weren't as hip, but I'm gonna get y'all hip today. But let's let's talk about risk. Let's talk about you know your work with Fall Out Boy and and CFOB and how that came to be. So one day I was in my house working and I get a phone call from Fall Out Boy's manager, and they say, hey. Um, Pete and Pat are really big fans of yours. And I'm just like, holy shit, they are. They know who I am, right? So they're, like, they're big fans of yours, and they want to do something interesting, uh, and they wanted me to call you to see if you would be interested in doing it. All I remember hearing is Pete and Pat, right? And I was just like, and I'm just like, I'm so gassed up that like, holy shit, these guys know my work, right? So they were like, yeah, so they want to do a mixtape and they want you to put it together. So immediately, as he says that, my mind's like, how do I put it together? Who can I bring in? What would it sound like? like as he's talking, my mind's already doing this, right? So I'm just thinking, this opportunity is amazing. And he goes, there's one catch. We need it in 24 hours. No. Right? So I'm like, I mean, it takes me two months sometimes to put a mixtape together because I don't know if, if anyone that's a, that is familiar with my mixtapes, my intros alone are so intricate, right? And I, I might use 500 records cutting up pieces to make a two-minute talking shit as a DJ thing, right? So, like, I'm like, holy shit, 24 hours. So, you know, that's what I'm thinking of myself. But to him, I'm like, yeah, of course, no problem, right? So he's like, are you serious? I go, yeah. And he goes, all right, we're going to send you over the music. So I hang up the phone, and I literally made a cup of tea, and I sat on my back porch, and I thought, how do I do a rock mixtape? And a political rock one, right? Where they're, yeah. we're coming up to an election. It was supposed to come out November 4th. Yeah. There's, there's things to say, and you have to say it with your entire fucking chest. Like, how yeah. do we bring the world of authentic hip-hop and what we stand for into this world of rock? Like, I had to break down what mixtapes were, where mashups were for that original episode a couple episodes ago. Yeah. Um, but the people who are listening to this interview now just listen to the episode about CFOB. So it's, it's political, it's timely, and okay, so we have 24 hours, we're drinking tea, we're on the porch. So there's also a difference for those that don't know. Some people look at a mixtape and they just look at it as like a compilation where you just put your favorite songs, you know, one after another, right? That's the old school, like kind of 80s mixtape where, you know, it's just your favorite songs on it. Like, yeah. Now that's what I call the hits, right? So, but a mixtape in the hip hop fashion is, you know, mixing, cutting, sound effects, talking shit over records, introducing exclusives, freestyles, breaking new artists. It's more of an event for those that are like, you know, the top tier mixtape DJs that I fortunately was part of. So when they said 24 hours, I sat on my porch and I'm thinking, hmm, how do I do a mixtape in 24 hours with all these rock bands and make it dope? So obviously I need to hear the songs to see how I'm going to transition them. So yeah. we've got 24 hours. We're trying to tell the story. Yeah. Who intros us? <laughs> so, then, so then I'm like, what can I do to add more excitement to it and cross it over, which is pretty much my MO. Like whenever I get involved with something, like how can I reach as many people as possible in different cultures and connect and collide different cultures where it's bringing unity and excitement? Like, oh, shit. Da -da. So I was like, man, who could I have 
and this is TRL days. So like I'm thinking about who's exciting on TRL, right? Like hip hop wise. So I was like, oh man, you know what? Everybody that likes Fallout Boy, not everybody, but most Fallout Boys also think Ludacris is cool as shit too. Uh, right? Yeah. Right? But Luda doesn't know that, right? And Luda doesn't know that audience and Luda doesn't talk to that audience. And that audience doesn't have, have access to Ludacris. And Ludacris probably knows how big of a deal Fallout Boy is, but doesn't have a relationship with Fallout Boy. So I'm like, this is fucking dope. Let me call Ludacris and get him to do the intro. So I call Luda and I was like, yo, I'm working on this project and I need you to do an intro for it. And I go, let me explain to you why you should do it. Right. And he goes, what is it? And I go, so Fallout Boy, have you heard of them? He's like, yeah. And I go, so I need you to do an intro. Da, da, da. And I'm telling you, he goes, and he's like, man, why would I do an intro for this white, for these white boys in this band? Right. And he's like, meaning, meaning, not because they're fair, white. Fair, Mr. Me- Luda, fair. Yeah, yeah not because not they're white, <laughs> meaning like, what does that mean? I don't understand. Why would yeah. I do it? It makes no sense, right? And then that's when I introduced it to him and I said, no, man, those white kids that love Fallout Boy also think you're dope as fuck too. But like, they don't go to a ludicrous concert, but if you ever showed up at a Fallout Boy concert, they would fucking lose their minds. Go crazy. One, one because you're awesome and two, they'd be like, Oh shit, Luda fucking likes Fallout Boy. So like, it's a good look for you to show that you understand what's going on over there, and that you're paying attention to the audience that likes you, but you don't know because you're not necessarily making music or talking to them because you think they don't like you or that they only care about that music. But what you don't understand is those same white kids are like fucking Luda's the shit, right? Yes. So, so when I when I kind of walked him through that process, he was like. All right, man, I'll do it. So then I, I, I wrote it out. I wrote the script and I sent it over to him and he just recorded exactly what I, what I wrote for the intro. Okay, because you made the funniest intro that could have ever happened, which <laughs> is, I mean, you heard it in the last episode, but I'll re-explain. It's Luda saying, folia do, falia do, whatever. Like literally just making fun of it. Yeah, and that's yeah. a recurring theme. Kanye makes fun of them for like not knowing what their song is about. Uh, Lil Wayne also is like, I don't know what the fuck this is going through. Like, what is this about? And now Luda saying that, I remember having to pause it immediately <laughs> and just crying, laughing. Because I know how big of a fan of Ludacris, like, the, the guys are. Like, Pete loves Southern rappers, so it just made so much sense. And I was like, oh, I'm losing my mind. Like, automatically, like, just chef's kiss to that intro because it's probably one of the funniest things I've ever heard. And then the, the great part was... Is- I held it on as a secret. I didn't tell Pete or Pat or anything. Because I got on a call with Pete after his manager to talk about what we were going to do and some ideas I had. And I didn't tell him I was going to get a surprise intro. So when they got the mixtape, as you can imagine, they were like, holy shit. Like Pete called me like, this is fucking sick. You got Ludacris on here. This is, this is amazing. Uh, so like, because like, look, you got Tyga, you got Travi, you got rappers on there, but they're not like, not like rappers to like the streets. Do you know what I'm saying? At that, at that time. So, you know, if you bring that over there, it kind of bridges over and kind of pushes, you know, that audience over. So, yeah, that was my goal was to bring a new audience and get Luda familiar and then get Follow Boy and Follow Boy's fans excited about Luda being involved. And look, I've always been the guy that, that merged different worlds together. Oh, then I would have, then I invited Pete to my party in Las Vegas. Oh, then me and Pete performed at 
we've showed up at a, at a club on a boat, like the a speedboat <laughs> drove us into a club and then we performed together. That's, I think that's when he first signed like BB Rexa. To his oh, label. so the, like this was 2011, like Black Hearts, but very yeah, 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 Black Hearts. Yep. So yeah, so like there was a bunch of shows me and Pete would do together during that. Because he was too. also a budding DJ. Yeah, I yeah. Mean, you know, he, he couldn't yeah. do the rapper thing. We all saw Wild and Out, Pete. Yeah. It's okay, but he was he was dabbling into DJing, and I think a lot of that comes from his love of hip hop and understanding of mixtapes and and joining those worlds together. So that was. I mean, to start off with Luda, amazing. And then we talked a little bit about the art and the storyboard of a mixtape. But talk to me through, like, how do you end a mixtape with that much information and cameos? And how do you bring it all together? Well, listen to it. And then you can see. I mean, I had had 24 hours to put that together. And it's funny because as big of a deal as it was, you know, MTV was excited. It was, I want to say... I don't know. I don't want to make this claim 100%. I made a claim one time on a podcast and I was wrong and I got blazed for it. So I'm never going to, I'm just going to say, I think, I think that um, we might be the first full rock original mixtape. Oh, I don't doubt it. That's ever, that's ever been, that's ever come out. I don't know any rock band that's ever did a mixtape like the way that we did it. So I, I'm, I'm open for someone to say there's something before that, but I think it's safe to say it's the first like official big known, you know, bands rock mixtape. And then I love right at the end where you bring it all together being like, yo, Pete, like it, it trails off and it's like, yo, Pete, would you really battle Luda? Like, and I was like, wait, wait, don't go. I need to hear all of this. I'm trying to find, I, got, I just ran into a picture on my phone the other day. Oh shit. Here's this one. This isn't even what I was looking for. This is the the show that me and Pete pulled up on a boat. Out of no way! Oh, that goes crazy. I have a bunch of stuff. I have us in Vegas. I know I ran into a bunch of me and Pete the other day when I was just going through my phone looking for pictures for covers for stuff. So, how proud are you of this project? Like, tell me about. I mean, we had the cameos. We had the twenty four hour turnaround. How did this change the way that you work? Right? You say you yo. Usually, I need like two months and stuff. Like. How did this inspire you to work different or your capabilities? It didn't because I said every time I always put my, I always put my best foot forward. So I always try to outdo myself. So another saying I have in my book is you should only compete with yourself because when you compete with yourself, you can only get better. When you compete with others, you're only aiming to be their best, which may never be as good as your best. So I never you know, size myself up to somebody else or compare I just work to be the dopest I can be. And then every time I do the next thing, I try to out-dope myself from last time. I need to bring up the fact that you did post about CFOB back in March 18th of 2021. And (laughs) my friend and a listener, Kat, was like, so we got to follow up. Like, when is it hitting DSPs? Like, what's going on? Like, I have to do my due diligence. Well, you should hit them because actually... Hold on, Pete. Oh, yeah, yeah. Let me just call Pete real quick. I got him. I got him. Pete sent me a text about that. Hold on. Uh, He hit me about that specific thing. Hold on. Oh, it's the wrong. Like recently? I want to say last year. Yeah. Hold on. I must have deleted the the text, so I have to go to his name. I'm just going to text him right now. Yo. Oh, (laughs) it just popped up. No, but definitely be like, yo, on this crazy-ass podcast, and they're talking about you and hip-hop. What's up? 
<laughs> he must have been an email. Well, maybe DM, hold on. But anyways, he hit me saying they were trying to get clearances because they wanted to put the mixtape out legitimately. Oh, and they asked me for Lake Effect Kid, like the, the full version. And unfortunately, my old engineer literally lost all my hard drives of everything. <sighs> so I have shit. So I, I don't have them broken up, right? So like, I think there was a couple of things on there that they don't have either. They just gave it to me. And then that was it. So... I lost Left it. So to history were, and time. I think I think it's best that way. Like, but so I, I think remember. They were trying, I, I think yeah. they were trying to figure out a way to make the mixtape available. When he responds to my text, I'm gonna say, "Hey, what's going on with the mixtape?" Oh wait, I thought he hit me right back. Yeah, or I can ask Pat. One of them. But Pete's probably. I feel like Pete's more of the guy that would like drive that than Pat. But yeah, there was another time like Pat was working on a, that R&B project he was working on. So you know, me and I worked with Pat on. Hung out with him during that time. Was too. was that a soul punk? I don't remember the name. I remember when he was making something that was very R and B ish. Oh, if it was 2011, it was either Truant Wave or Soul Punk during like his his blondie skinny boy yeah, get yeah, your yeah, life yeah, days. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely, I live yeah. for that. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, totally. I love artists that express different art forms and like aren't afraid to like a bit, like dude. You're already dope here. Go try that. You can always come right back. You know what I mean? So. Um, I hate when people say, like, oh, why are they doing that whack shit? Because he's a fucking artist and that's what they got to yes. do. You know and what it's mean? like, we know that the background is in loving black music. So it's like, show up for it, you know, honor it. And every, about 95% of his openers on his solo tour were all black artists. Don yeah. T, Ryden Paris, the upperclassmen, like all, Omos Keith, like from fucking like Sarah, like that is absolutely insane. Yeah. And he had us, you know, in front of them. So. Yeah. Really, really incredible stuff there. So that's the story of how Clint that's Sparks a good fucking Fallout story. Boy put out the first and dopest and made history by creating the best rock mixtape in the history of mixtapes, in my opinion. I mean, and I, think I mean, and, and it's it's in great hands. And I mean, again, like you, I remember it was 2013. They had just gotten back together. They were doing a show at Webster Hall Studio and they played uh, Lake Effect Kid and I was not the only one that screamed Get Familiar. Like, it, it happens very often to this day. Oh, you mean people um, in the audience like yell it at that part? Yes, yes. Really? That's yes, funny. and that's why I was like, if, if I did it and I hear somebody else do it, I was like, you're my fucking friend. Like, I, you, you know the vibes. So Yo, absolutely gotta, you, to this day. You gotta day. record that next time. Will I will absolutely do that. And if you tell Pete to add Alpha Dog and Lake Effect Kid, we'll go all out. I'll do the whole thing. I'll do the ludicrous intro. Why, I'll why do, do you think? Why need. do you think Lake Effect Kid is such a fan favorite? Yet it was never like legitimately put out. It it's it's their it's their ode to Chicago. Like it, when you think about Fall Out Boy, you think about Chicago, and yeah. that song it almost feels like. I love the way Patrick sings Pete's words, because, but it feels like they both came together so hard to do that. And like Patrick even has a song called This City about Chicago, <laughs> you know? Yep. So yep. I think I think that love for hometown and I mean, maybe here here I am reaching, but like in hip hop, like you fucking rep your hometown, you you rep your community, you rep where you're from. Yep. And I thought it was very fallout boy to do it in that fashion. Like, again, Patrick got to do it on his own. But Lake Effect Kid was beautiful because you didn't have to be a Lake Effect Kid to be a Lake Effect Kid. Like, right, you could right. you can fill in the blank. And I think for us emo asses, we really love that. <laughs> I'm trying to I'm 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 trying to find this other picture. To show you, I know it's on my IG somewhere. 
I got a bunch of pictures with me and the fellas like backstage too and stuff like that. Um, I can send you a bunch of these if they if they matter. If, if Please and th- yeah, they do. This is <laughs> extremely important. But I I really love just going back and like re-listening to this. I mean, again, like people have this on YouTube or, or SoundCloud, so like they work hard to listen to this. And I'll send you, <laughs> I'll send you a TikTok um, that my friend Kat made where she's like working and like a song comes on. She's like, get familiar. Like anybody else still do this. Like it's, awesome. <laughs> it's, it's very deep, like fallout boy lore. And it's like a very special time because also we thought, ah, oh, look at those cuties. That's the one. That's the receipts. Finally, Dude, I, I got to tell you, man, yeah. like super respect for you, you know, promoting, supporting, amplifying, keeping alive, you know, the legacy and the dopeness that is Fallout Boy, you know, it's. I'm sure. Do they know you? Have you got a relationship with them? People like you are the reason why people like that make their music and continue Ooh. to tour and continue to want to like stay alive and do what they do because like you are the motivation. You know, it's it's fans and supporters that like. I mean, how many times do you have a favorite band? Like even today, like I get pissed off. My Chemical Romance doesn't make another album. Yeah. You know what I mean? But it's like, but it's like. They're old. Like, they, they don't want to do that anymore. Like, but, but we all still, I want to hear Weezer records, right? Like, I want to hear the same fucking shit. Well, we shit connected talk. with so many important times in our lives, right? You hear that and you smell what you were smelling and you feel what you were feeling. And Fall Out Boy has always been something that helped my mental health. I was an only child and yeah. my parents came from DR being a lawyer and a nurse to work at Target and be a butcher. Like, they left everything, and I knew from the moment in 2005 when I heard from under the cork tree that I wanted to work in music, that I wanted to work with artists, that I wanted to support them, and then I got to have a relationship with Patrick while he was doing the soul punk stuff where he gave me my first big break and my first big interview, and that launched me into going to college, into being a morning show host. Like, I was like, if this, thank you so much, if this dude saw me, and out of the kindness of his heart, sat and spent time with me, I can do fucking anything. And they've made an absolute monster <laughs> in that's me because awesome. all I do is help artists for a living. And I that's, got to make my so own dope. job. You know what? And I want to also, first of all, the fact that you have a flag, Sugar, we're going in on your microphone and follow boysthemen.com is so fucking fly. <laughs> and so you. like, and it's, and it's so like, it's so cool because it's like, you know, we're, we're kindred spirits. Like, we get it. We love Boys and Men. We love Fall Out Boy. Like, that's weird. Did you is see it? the performance together? I don't know. Is it weird? I don't know. It's not to us. Right? But, like, I also, you know what I want to do is I want to, actually, can I play something live to you right now? Please do. Can I play you? Yeah. I want to play you. Let me, turn on, let me put on the speakers. I'm so excited. I haven't played this to anybody. Oh, my God. My exclusive, exclusive, exclusive. Uh, so this is my record uh, called Radio. And the reason I, I made this ra- record is because, like I said, my radio was my best friend, right? So, like, I wanted to make, like, an like almost like a romance song to my radio, right? But then also the part of the song is then I get into radio and I, I get into the business and I realize everything that I loved and thought was beautiful and real isn't that real, right? So, like... And that's what this song comes down to, and it's called Radio. Because one day I said in an interview, everything I know I learned from my radio. And I was like, oh, shit, that's a killer, that's a killer that's lyric. That's a bar. Right? <laughs> so, 
So I, w so I wrote it, and now the song's about to come out. Hold on, let me just... So we can wrap up the podcast, and anyone that wants to hear can keep listening. We can say goodbye, and if you want to listen to the music... I would love to, but we do it in a very specific way, and you okay. get to give me a good mouth air horn, a bow, 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 and you got to throw in a get motherfucking familiar. Okay. Get familiar, baby. Get familiar. <laughs> Thank you so much. And just for the people, again, this has been a moment in time with the Clinton Sparks. We just heard all about CFOB. Please keep it locked. We have radio out. I will put that in the show notes. I will also put a link to how to win big in the music business. We talked a little bit about just being good people and, and showing up for yourself so you can show up for others and continue building this beautiful culture that we have. So, Clinton, thank you so, so much. What do you want to leave the people off with? Great. <laughs> Sample that. Like, I mean, I, I'll put it as I, just, part of the intro. Just a sincere gratitude for listening, hanging out, caring enough to want to hear the story. If anybody hung out long enough to hear the record, even if you don't like it, thanks for giving it a shot. If you do like it, Listen to it on Spotify. Uh, follow me on Instagram, uh, which is where I live most of the time, is on Instagram, uh, at Clinton Sparks. Uh, lots of dope stuff there. So uh, You already know. Dope, you know. dope. We just got to name it Dope Shit, the, yeah. the, the interview, the entire interview. I, and thank you so much also for your, your kind words and, and for answering and for, for getting back to me. This is a, a one-woman team, um, but I really think it's important just bringing it all together, just, just to be storytellers. Um, and to be passionate about what we love because nobody wants to work with a jaded ass fuck. So I, I, I will continue I to stay passionate. I also want to shout you out for the three stripes Adidas jacket you have on. Get familiar, Boston. Representing Boston, three stripes. So get familiar. And with that, Sparks out. Thank you so much. Sugar, we're going in. Fall out, Ow. boy. Clint Sparks. Get familiar, baby. Ow! Woo! We met our lives. It felt like destiny. We spent our nights alone, just you and me. But we had our time. I'm sad to see it go. Cause everything I know. I remember when I was a young boy. It feels like yesterday. Mama yelling, turn down that noise. Whenever we would play.
to see it go Cause everything I know I learned from my radio Radio Everything I know, I learned from a radio. 